You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Data Unlocked podcast. In this podcast, we explore the ways in which data drives creativity and innovation for marketers, and we explore that with the best and brightest in the industry. My name is Jason Davis, founder and CEO of Simon Data, a growth platform driving smarter marketing for brands like JetBlue, TripAdvisor, Equinox, and BarkBox. I'm excited to have two very special guests on our podcast today. The first is Bill Stratton, head of media and advertising vertical at Snowflake. And the second is is Tom Tungas, managing director and partner at Redpoint Ventures. Thanks for joining us. And maybe, Tom, maybe we can start with a quick hello from you. Absolutely. Thrilled to be here with Bill. So my name is Tom Tungus. I'm a managing director at Redpoint. Been there for 13 years. Was at Google before as a PM and an early employee at a company called Appian. And uh, we at Redpoint invest a lot in data companies. So we were fortunate to be early investors in Snowflake and Monte Carlo and Dremio and many other businesses. Thrilled to be here. Thanks, Tom. And I'm Bill Stratton. I'm also excited to be here with Tom and Jason, uh, having a great conversation and looking forward to it. My role at Snowflake, as Jason mentioned, is I head up the media entertainment advertising vertical here at Snowflake. I've been with a company a little over three years and came from the media company side of things with Time Warner, now known as Warner Media. So looking forward to the conversation. Great. Well, thanks, Bill. So let's kick off with our big question. And really the topic today that we'll be focusing on is this really this notion of the future of SaaS and how does a next generation of SaaS applications really fully leverage modern data infrastructures and really the richness of today's modern data environments? Before I sort of dive and really sort of dig in with you guys deeply, I just wanted to kick off with sort of a core thesis that motivates Simon Data today. And that's that modern SaaS applications are designed around today's modern data stack. And really, if you look at the richness of data that exists in your Snowflake environment across all of your data systems, and then if you look at the data models that exist in your application tier in the world of SaaS, there's really just a significant mismatch. And this really manifests in terms of a few different dimensions. The first is integration from this rich environment to this relatively poor data environment can be clunky. And in particular, when you have an API-first approaches, the process of mechanically moving data from one system to the other can be difficult. The second is just the, the mismatches of data models, as I said before. If your application, your SaaS application, can't support the scale and complexity of today's modern data systems, then you're just going to have a loss in fidelity. And then beyond that, if you really look at how the, the modern data stack has evolved today and the richness across historical data that might be in your data warehouse, real-time streaming systems, microservices APIs, all interops with your application tier, there are really just some mismatches across those two worlds. So. Really, just sort of starting here, I just wanted to kick off with that. And Tom recently put out his 2022 predictions last month. And with that, I won't go too much into those, but he actually scored himself against his 2021 predictions. You think he scored a 70%, which I guess is a passing grade, Tom. Uh, Barely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but one of the big points that Tom's been hammering home and is certainly represented by his investment portfolio and his great set of companies that he's backed at Redpoint is really just the decade of data. So Tom, maybe we can sort of just kick off there. And when you sort of look at some of the most exciting advances in the first two years of the decade of data, what do those look like? Yeah, absolutely. So Redpoint, we've been calling 2020 the decade of data. There's been lots of innovation in data for an awfully long time, starting with the first BI companies in the early 2000s. But 
the cloud data warehouses and the modern data stack have really changed the way that people use data. And it's brought the benefits of insights to almost every single employee or every single information worker. And how that's sort of manifesting, like if you think about it, one of the things we talked about at Looker was data supply chain. Data is created someplace and then it needs to be processed and it needs to go someplace where it's going to create value. And over the last couple of years, we've seen meaningful innovation in in three or four parts of that data supply chain. So the first is moving the data from where it's being produced. And so you have ETL vendors there, extract transformation and load. Um, who are doing quite well. So you've got Airbyte and uh, Fivetran. Then you've, they're piping that to a data warehouse where it's stored. And you've got, obviously, Snowflake, which has become just a monster business doing that. You have modeling layers. And that's a place where data engineers create single definitions for metrics. LookML is one of the most popular, also popularized by Looker. And then the last part is really making use of the data once it's inside of the data warehouse. So there's next generation BI products like Preset and Looker. There are machine learning applications and ways of building predictive models. And then the last is kind of the creation of these data notebooks or these collaborative workspaces. And we're investors in Hex there. So that's kind of the data supply chain. Then there are pieces around the data supply chain. There's data security making sure that people are using data in a compliant way and only the people who actually have access to it are accessing it. And then you have data observability. It's like a data dog for data. It's really understanding through my data supply chain is everything working well. And if it's not, why? And enabling people to go fix it. So the high level, you know, there are smaller bits to talk about. And actually one that strikes me that I've missed is this notion of reverse ETL. And the reverse ETL product is... Let's assume there's a bunch of data in a data warehouse, and let's assume there's a bunch of data inside of a SaaS application, like your marketing application, and you want to run a dashboard on top. If you're a marketer, that can be difficult if you don't have access to an engineering team. And so reverse ETL comes in, sits on top of the data warehouse and the SaaS application, and then allows you to analyze the data very simply. Now, those are, at a high level, sort of the, the biggest categories that we see today. Got it. No, that's great. I certainly want to come back to reverse detail in a minute, but Bill, maybe we can just sort of kick off with the decade of data from your perspective. I know that Snowflake, you had an IPO to kick off the decade, so maybe you can talk about some of the biggest highlights from last year at Snowflake and some of the initiatives we can look for going into this year as well. Sure thing. Listen, there's a high bar here with Tom and Redpoint and what he set here with his prediction, 70% accuracy and everything else. I think Redpoint portfolio speaks for itself as well. But I think the value of predictions is not whether or how much you got right. It's in the practice of actually making predictions and seeing how they unfold and what happened to make them correct or or incorrect. And I think that kind of forward-looking insight and introspection is important. So glad to participate in the conversation. I mean, listen, my lens is going to really kind of look at this from an industry perspective versus obviously all of Snowflake. My role is within the, the media, entertainment, advertising verticals I mentioned. And so I certainly agree with Tom and Redpoint that the decade of data is certainly upon us. And I don't know whether because we're in the second year of the decade, whether we're 20% into that or whether it's maybe even earlier than that, honestly, because I think this data wave is probably going to extend longer than just the decade. But I think it's a great frame of reference because the next seven, eight years are going to certainly determine a lot of new things. And the stack and the supply chain that Tom just talked about is very much how we look at it at Snowflake within media and entertainment. What I find interesting is not only is the data supply chain evolving, as Tom talked about, 
And certainly Simon is part of that, as well as Snowflake. But the industries that we're serving, their supply chains are also changing and evolving. And so when you have the dynamic of evolving data supply chains and evolving industry supply chains, it creates this shuffling effect that creates a lot of opportunity for the marketplace and the investment side and in companies like Snowflake. So let me just give one example. In my 25 years of media, most of the big brands like a Disney or an NBC or ESPN or CNN or HBO, they were what we call wholesalers. And the end customer's relationship was with the cable company or the satellite company. So the supply chain existed to have data that came from the end customer point but the wholesalers didn't have a lot of data because they didn't own a customer relationship. Now that supply chain is switching and many companies are establishing a direct-to-consumer, in this case, streaming relationship. And what that is doing is, is it's creating a whole new set of supply chain data customers that need to adhere to what Thomas described as the data supply chain, right? And what we see at Snowflake in that decade forthcoming is that you have the action layer, as Tom talked about with Looker, let's say, on the one end of the spectrum. And then you have data generation on the other end of the spectrum. And at Snowflake, what we start to see is that the data warehouse is starting to blur the line between the upstream data supply chain, as well as then the downstream data supply chain, which we're going to get to in a little bit as we describe it. So the point that I'm trying to make is that I'm not even sure convenient definitions like data warehouse are really even appropriate anymore because at least from a Snowflake perspective, we're seeing data collaboration and data sharing and applications come to the data stack. And that sort of starts to change definition. So maybe the one prediction I'll make, and then we can keep talking, is that I think what we call the data supply chain and even the names that we refer to them as are going to change and also blur so that new partners, new companies, new situations are going to emerge. And frankly, the companies that take advantage of this, right? The investments that Redpoint has made, what we're doing at Snowflake, positioning ourselves as a data cloud, not a data warehouse, is certainly going to drive this evolution. Yeah, I think there's a really great juxtaposition between this notion of tomorrow's next generation data supply chain, reverse ETL on the other side, and then mechanical constructs like Snowflake data sharing, which I'll maybe talk about for a second, which in some sense represent um, reduction of friction in data movement, which can then represent a technological disruption in the way data is shared and the way it sort of moves through the supply chain. And when I think about our worldview at Simon, it's really one of having sort of a deeper continuum into the application tier from the data tier. And in some sense, a reverse ETL represents a way of sort of backporting modern data infrastructure into existing SaaS applications. It takes an API-first integration and changes it into something where you can just write some SQL. But at the end of the day, you're still moving data, and then you're still playing by some of the data limitations that I sort of described a few minutes ago. When I sort of look at where this can all go and how Snowflake is leading the charge, 
What really excites me is thinking about data layers that have a level of continuity that look nothing like they do today. You define your data once, you have a single source of the truth that represents in a granular way the way your business works, and then that can be expanded out into your application tier. In some sense, this is how BI systems have worked all along. Your looker sits directly on top of your Snowflake, but I think the next sort of phase is then extending that into all other forms of data-driven analytics and also data-driven business optimization and processes. So with that, maybe we can just talk about some of the broader trends that you guys are seeing in, in applications. Tom, I know your portfolio includes some you know, pretty cool applications around data science. I'm sort of curious what you're seeing relative to that. Yeah, one of the themes that we've been pursuing after the incredible success of Snowflake and their migration into the data cloud and also the data sharing, the data clean rooms and Snowpark, many other features that they're building. It's a re-architecture of SaaS applications that are built on top of Snowflake. And the reason we're so excited about this theme is, one, Snowflake clearly is a platform company, and around platform companies, ecosystems are built because of the distribution that they have. And uh, obviously, we're big believers in the superiority of the technology. I think the second reason why we're so excited about SaaS applications being architected on top of Snowflake is there's actually a pretty significant consumer benefit or customer benefit to it. A lot of the times what you find if you're a buyer of a SaaS application is you might have data in Snowflake already. And then in order to take advantage of an application, you need to migrate that data. You might have to move it into a new data warehouse for an analytics product. If you're looking at going on on a website, you might have reams or terabytes or billions of events per day that you're looking at. And you really don't want to pay for it twice. You don't want to pay to move it. You would really like to join that data with other data sets to enrich it so you have a better sense of the behavioral patterns um, of users on your website. And if you have it once in Snowflake, wouldn't it be great if an application actually just read it where it was and used your Snowflake account on your behalf in order to provide you those insights? And that's happening across many fields. You have that happening across analytics. Uh, you have it happening in logging. You have it happening in security. And we're really excited about that. I think it's also happening sort of much more broadly as a result of the permissions model from some of these modern clouds. But it's a very exciting development because it provides a huge customer benefit in that I'm only paying for the data once. Uh, I can get better insight by joining and everything's in one place. How are leading brands using data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market? Find out on Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale. Yeah, I would just sort of add to that. I couldn't agree more, obviously, with what Tom said, and he said it very succinctly, is as you get into this platform ecosystem, the way he described it, the benefits, obviously, he mentioned you don't want to pay twice for the data. There are also so many other additional benefits. And let me put a lens of somebody who's working with a lot of consumer data, right? As you start to copy and move consumer data, the challenges um, start to expand. Number one is it's becoming less privacy compliant to copy and send customer data, right? Depending on what's associated with that customer record. So if I can join that data or manage it, or obviously put insights to it without copying or moving it, then I've made myself more privacy compliant because of the non-movement of data. 
Then the second thing he also touched on, which I think is spot on, which is if I start to then have to join the data, okay? And it gets interesting because I was a Snowflake customer previously, and I was also a Looker customer. And four or five years ago, spent a lot of time putting Looker on top of Snowflake. So certainly like to speak from some experience over the years. And that is, I wanted to be able to go beyond with the insights that I was generating, let's say from Looker at the time, to joining data with additional data sets that weren't possible unless I could bring the data to the software application. And so all of a sudden you get this unlock of joining data with either intercompany elements to get an expanded view, let's say, of the customer, or joining it with outside partners and customers who I would have never dreamed of joining data with because I needed to have it protected and governed and sovereign in my own environment. And so the unlock of this capability is bringing that much more insight into you know, things like consumer data and customer data, as an example. Yep, totally. And maybe as part of this, as I look at sort of this next tier of applications, as Tom described, and certainly Bill is sort of working with partners like Simon to develop, I really has come across quite a few fascinating use cases. It was actually it was a quick plug for an upcoming episode with the founder CEO of Sisu Data. We're actually recording in a few weeks here. These guys came out of Stanford and they actually sit natively on Snowflake. You throw in two, three business KPIs and they can crunch thousands or tens of thousands of attributes across the business and help you understand causality. This notion of subtopics is very, very interesting. Again, something where if you weren't sitting close to the data in the way that they are, it just wouldn't be possible. And for our listeners who aren't familiar with how Simon Data works, we can sit directly on top of a Snowflake share, directly leverage your customer data and you know, at the granularity at which your data team is housing it. We can enrich it with you know, third-party Snowflake data. Uh, we can also enrich it with other data as well. Uh, and then we provide this operational tier that really allows the data to be used for deep segmentation, hyper-personalization, and coordinating messages across all your channels. But I mean, Tom, Bill, are there other sort of specific comps in the market around data applications that are worth bringing some light to? Yeah, I can, we can reverse the lineup here. I'll go first and then Tom can follow. First of all, as you just mentioned, Jason, Simon is a great example of what we just said, which is obviously bringing the data to the application and unlocking incremental and really new value that just couldn't exist before. And we've started to expand that in what we call this powered by program, right, at Snowflake. But let me touch on something because I think it's super interesting and it sort of comes back to why this is accelerating here at Snowflake, which is a software as a service model obviously is, is leveraging data and leveraging a pricing model that typically is with that, right? Snowflake as a platform only charges compute when you use our product. So Snowflake's actually not a software as a service at all. We're a, what you call pay-as-you-go solution that you can dial up and dial down how much and how often you use compute, right? Now, when you take a compute model like that and you combine it on top with a software as a service model, right, like we're talking about, then we're doing two things. We're allowing companies like Simon to innovate their product as a software application on top of new technology from Snowflake, like Jason referenced in data sharing, okay? 
We also allow a Simon, and they're a leader in this, to innovate pricing-wise because they can decide how and when and what pricing model works for them because the underlying compute is only being charged as it's being used. And so that typically gives a lot of flexibility to application companies to decide what's important in how they're going to market and their pricing strategies and what customers want from them. And so I think the innovation is happening kind of in multiple fronts on the technology side, bringing the data stack to the application, and then in innovation and pricing capabilities as well. So I think that's where we're starting to see and the trend and the acceleration. And then what we like about it, and then I'll turn it over to Tom, is the rising tide lifts all boats, right? So we're starting to see customers with this network effect of being in Snowflake work with each other in ways that you know are accelerated beyond anything we could help them with directly. And that's back to the supply chain you know, comments that we had earlier. And Simon, again, is a, is a really good example of this. Their customers may choose to use data from the Snowflake marketplace that's already available for sharing in their platform, or customers could you know, enrich and bring other data sets, right? It's a flexibility um, and, and product question as well. So those are the kinds of things I think that we're seeing um, in terms of trends around this application and data platform underneath. Awesome overview, Bill. Thanks so much. I agree with you. I mean, I think we're like, the reason we're so excited about data and all these trends is there's this idea called the data mesh, which means many, many things, but it's really about like the interconnectivity of data and being able to push data and pull data to the right place where it's going to provide maximum insight. And that started, the data mesh started internally where different teams basically signed up to provide data to each other. And that's been really successful for the companies that adopt it and has given rise to a bunch of interesting new technologies. And now what we're seeing is that something that was really difficult to do outside of a company to share data the right way is really starting to happen. And Bill was right. The whole idea of these regulatory regimes coming in and changing the way like GDPR and CCPA and the evolution of the California Privacy Act in every state now starting to to think about um, their own privacy regulation. It's going to be really impactful for all this. And we're going to get to a place in some next two or three years or four years in a decade of data where companies are going to have to manage all of these different regulatory regimes in a way that's super compliant and respectful. And, um, and so if you can do it in a centralized place uh, and if inside of Snowflake, for example, and then build applications on top, then by definition, if Snowflake is compliant, then everybody else is compliant as well. And that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. You know, it's interesting just to kind of uh, accentuate what Tom just talked about. Um, let's talk about GDPR, or CCPA for a second. You have on the one side, and we've talked about this a lot here at Snowflake, is on the one side, you have this regulation that is increasing, right? And whether you go state by state and how it unfolds. So there's greater requirements for governance and adherence. And then on the business side, you have in media this customer journey that's starting to break up in terms of people consume content, let's say, on their phone, on their other devices, on their TV, on the internet. And yet, as an advertiser or a media company, they have to piece all of that data together. So on the one side of their business, they have an increase in platforms that are consuming, customers consuming 
their product. And so therefore they have the need to bring more data together. But then on the other side, they have privacy and governance and challenges. And so these two things are sort of opposed with each other. But at Snowflake and other companies that are that are here with Simon and in Redpoint's portfolio, we're solving the problem of trying to keep the privacy profile improving, but still unlocking the business value of sharing and joining data across an ecosystem. And so those are the things that we see sort of happening. And the companies that lean into that and use products like Simon's and can benefit from that will sort of distinguish themselves because the playing field is starting to get different levels of who's going to take advantage of that, but maintain the privacy and governance functions. Yeah, totally. And we're sort of down at the top of our, of our time here today. So maybe we'll sort of wrap, but you know, first I just want to you know, thank you both for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom. As I sort of reflect on the problems that we discussed here, I really think it just comes down to this notion that Tom set forward initially around data supply chain. It's really a matter of asking, where does data begin and end? And as a data practitioner, as a data scientist by trade, for me, I'd love to imagine a world where the data doesn't really end. It's just sort of pervasive. It's there. Within this, there are real considerations around data movement, around security, around privacy across many of sort of the leading technologies in the market today, including Snowflake. There's a lot of very, very good approaches that can sort of find optimality points across all of these. But there's still maturation in the market beyond this that needs to happen for it to all work together. So I'm, I'm tremendously excited for, uh, I guess it would be the remaining eight years of the decade you know, of data. And with this, maybe we'll sort of just do a, a quick context for Bill and Tom, for anyone who'd to you know, either pitch you, Tom, at Red Point or learn more about stuff like Bill. You know, maybe if you guys can each just you know, give a quick snippet on how to find you. Sure, I can go first. Snowflake, we're at www.snowflake.com, but then within our website, we have a lot of material, a lot of webinars, a lot of education, both at an industry level that I talked about today, but then at a use case level or even workloads, right? Like data science and business intelligence and insights and so forth. So a lot of that information is found there, and my information is obviously there as well if you need to reach out to me or anyone on the team and have questions, but there's also a tremendous amount of education, customer testimonials, and reference materials for Snowflake in the industry. And let me just say also, I've really enjoyed the conversation. It's been a lot of fun to talk to you with you, Jason and Tom, about all these trends and what's happening, and certainly would love to do it again sometime soon as well. Great. Awesome. Bill, thanks so much for the conversation. If you're looking to reach me, I'm at redpoint.com. You can email me there, the emails, or tomtungus.com. I write a blog. And both of those, you can email me directly from, or on Twitter at ttungus. Yes, that's great. I'm a fan of your blog as well. Forgot to plug that earlier, but it's lots of great content, including 2022 predictions that we didn't even talk about today. So maybe we'll talk <laughs> about a future episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Data Unlocked podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Simon Data, you can find us on the web at simondata.com or email us at hello at simondata.com. You've been listening to the Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale. 